I would also like to welcome you to our service here at Kakak Christian Fellowship and want to encourage you, just come out to the baptism. Uh, it'll just be a great time, you know, just come, um, bring your favorite um, potluck dish and, uh, you know, I mean, really, it, it, it's a lot of, it's a great time to build community. Uh, you're talking like 3.30 in the afternoon, we start the baptism. Uh, you know, we just pack up and, and get ready to leave. It's about uh, 5.30. So it's not like, you know, you got to spend all night and all that. Um, but it's a really, really good time. Uh, last, uh, no, a couple weeks ago, um, I went through this really great time <clears throat> on a Wednesday uh, we have a friend of ours who lives in New Zealand, and um, she um, she does like prayer ministry. And um, you know, we went to this place called Elijah House uh, a number of times, and got some really powerful prayer ministry <clears throat> with her. But I just felt like I wanted to to deal with some things that were going on, and so um, gave her a call. You know, New Zealand, they're like um, two hours behind tomorrow. So it was a great, you know, great time. The time wasn't that, that bad. But it was a powerful time. And one of the things that she had said was, um, you know, and, I, and I've never heard that before. She talked about how, you know, she said, I see healing in your bones. And um, what, what I interpreted that, that as is that, you know, I just need to begin to, and we need to begin to pray that God would heal um, in, 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 you know, do it more frequently and uh, with more faith. And so um, I wanted to do that, you know, before um, um, I just kind of share some stuff. But we have a uh, friend. Um, he, he spoke here um, a couple years ago. His name is Krishinik. Uh, his wife, Becky, is Bill, and Mila uh, Tamaoka's uh, daughter. Bill plays congas from time to time. You know, he's a smiley dude up here, you know, you know that stuff. And um, so you know Bill. I know you know Bill. But... Um, uh, Chris and Becky, they have three children. They live in Florida. Uh, they, uh, they just started a church about a year ago, going great guns. They planted a church in Florida. And um, uh, they have three children, and they have one on the way. Well, they, they heard some news uh, a few weeks back that uh, this, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a boy, but um, there's, some, there's some pretty catastrophic things that are, that, that's wrong and that uh, with, with the development of the baby and all things be, being equal without God, um, baby is not expected to survive. Um, it might not even, he might not even uh, survive the birth. And so they go in tomorrow uh, for a checkup, ultrasound and all that stuff, and they need to make a determination um, whether to induce and have baby come early. Um, and the, the reason the doctors are, are, are thinking like that is that gives them, it gives them the best chance that they would have to just spend some time with their baby because the, um, the doctor's not even sure if the baby's going to um, you know, be able to survive full term. And so um, I talked with Chris on Friday, and I thought, you know what, we're just going to pray. And I want us to pray. And I, you know, I'm just praying, believing, and we ask, and God supplies the power. But we're to ask, and we ask with faith, and I'm just asking that when they go in tomorrow morning, I'll get a phone call like, hey, man, guess what happened? You know, something great has happened. We're just going to pray and ask God for healing. We're going to continue to pray and ask God for healing for Sonny Oliveras. You know, he's doing our sound back there. Um, he's uh, in a battle with cancer. 
Uh, we're just going to pray that God's going to heal him as well. If healings, if healing is in my bones, then it's time to get it out. So um, why don't we pray? Just join me in prayer, and we'll pray for the Shinnicks and uh, for Sonny, all right? Let's pray. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus that, that you would bring supernatural, miraculous healing in um, Chris and Becky's son's life, Lord. Um, just, you know, the, the thing is we don't need to know all that's going on and what's happening. Uh, we just need to know you, and you have the power to heal, God. And so we just ask, as your children, we come to you, uh, to your throne of grace, and we ask that you would heal this son, that, that you would do something that doctors cannot do. There's nothing that can be done here on earth, but nothing is impossible for you, Lord. And so I pray that you would uh, restore all the, the organs and where organs need to be. You would strengthen. You would even develop organs that are not there at this time. Father, I pray, God, we pray that you would bring supernatural healing and that all the glory for this would go to you, Lord. And then we continue to pray for Sonny. We just pray that you would uh, continue to heal, that you would remove all cancer cells, that you would remove cancer from wherever it is in his body, that you would use the chemo that he's taking right now, and you would supernaturally empower that, Lord, to remove every last cancer cell in his body, and that Sonny would be a testimony of the power and the goodness of God. We just thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just ask for today, that we'd ask, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come. And your Holy Spirit to come and to lead us into all truth. And that truth would set us free this morning. That we pray, and I pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word. That you would just speak this morning to our hearts. And we thank you that we're, we are not here by accident. Every single person here that you have, it's, it's by your design that they're here today. And I pray that we would all have open hearts, open minds, open ears, and open eyes to receive everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep praying, and I'll probably give you updates on um, the, the Shinnicks. <clears throat> but, um, you know, last night was a, was a crazy night, and there are nights when, you know, they're, um, uh, God's doing something, but the enemy is doing, uh, uh, the, the, the devil's doing things as well. Last night was one of those kind of nights. But, but the great thing was, you know, this morning, you know, when I got up, I just said, God, I just, I need you more. It's like how we sang today. And, um, you know, what, what, what happened was uh, I just felt led for some reason. And I, I tell you what, you know, I have no interest in this. I know everybody was covered. Everybody was talking about it. You know, the royal wedding, I mean, it's a big deal, you know, really. I mean, it was a big deal for me. You know, someone said, hey, did you watch the royal wedding? And I said, well, what would it, you know, and they, you know, the royal wedding. And I said, is that like Andy? And no, that's not Andy. That's like Harry. And like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, uh, is that Peter Parker's friend, Harry? I don't know. But um, uh, what happened was, for some God reason, I decided to just Google a little bit, you know. And I came across, which became the buzz on the internet, that at this wedding, a bishop from the United States spoke. And he spoke for about 13 minutes and, I don't know, 16 seconds or whatever it was. And he preached a message. And, 
And some of the, the headlines, and, and he spoke on the power of love. And some of the headlines, uh, you know, on, when you Google it, it said, Michael Curry, that was his name, Bishop Michael Curry is his name. Um, Michael Curry's royal wedding sermon will go down in history. That was one. Another one, uh, Harper's Bazaar, it says, Bishop, Cur- uh, Bishop Michael Curry blew the place open at the royal wedding. Another one was in Washington Post. It said, the surprise star of Harry and Megan's, Megan, is that her name? I think so, Megan. Yeah, Harry and Megan's wedding, U.S. Bishop Michael Curry, right? And I thought, whoa. And so I decided I'm going to listen to this message, you know? And I was feeling like crud this morning. I think that's a better word. I felt like crud this morning. And, and I was listening to this message, and it was what these, it was, it was as advertised. It was a powerful 13-minute message. Um, I wish that I could preach to you guys a 13, you guys wish I could. But I listened to it, and I thought, you know, I, I Googled some more. And then I found this, right? All like ready, and I found this. Reverend Michael Curry... Not Reverend, he's a bishop. Anyway, Reverend Michael Curry surprised, surprises with sermon touching on civil rights at the royal wedding, NBC News. And I read that, and I thought, okay, that's a curious one. Because I heard the sermon. And then I printed out the transcripts of his message. And it wasn't a message about civil rights. I found it interesting in that article that not once did that author of that message, of that article, not once was there any mention of God. And I'm going to tell you, Michael Curry's message was full. It was about God. And so much so that I began to think, man, it's fascinating to me how people can form and, 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 and kind of frame things to fit something that they want to, to share that is really like, crud is a better word again. And I was like stunned. And I thought, that's exactly what the world tries to do. That it, as, as a follower of Jesus, the world is... Is, is, is so much trying to pull us in a direction, pull us to believe something that is really not true. And, um, you know, here, here, like he, he starts off and he says, the late Dr. Martin Luther King once said, this is the transcript from Bishop Michael Curry's message, we must discover the power of love, the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make this old world a new world. Love is the only way. There is power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't even sentimentalize it. There's power, power in love. And if you don't believe me, we're here today because two young people fell in love. And then he goes on, he says, but love is not only about a young couple. Now the power of love is demonstrated by the fact that we're all here. Two young people fell in love and we all showed up. But that is not just for and about, it's not just for or about a young couple who we rejoice with. It's more than this. 
Jesus of Nazareth, on one occasion, was asked by a lawyer the sum as some of the essence of the teachings of Moses, and he went back and reached back into the Hebrew scriptures, and, and Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Matthew's version of the gospel, he, add, he added, he said on these two, love of God, love of your neighbor, hangs all the law, all the prophets, and everything that Moses wrote, everything in the holy prophets, everything in the scriptures, everything that God has been trying to tell the world. Love God. Someone once said, that Jesus began most, the most revolutionary movement in all of human history, a movement grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world, a movement mandating people to live that love, and in doing it, it will change not only their lives, but the very life of the world itself. I'm talking about some power, real power, the power to change the world. And what Michael Curry, and I just couldn't believe it. I said, like, he, he, he's preaching this at a wedding? I said, I, I got to brush up, and I got to do better at weddings now. You know, because he's just laying it all on the line. And then he goes on, and he says at the end, Jesus didn't die for anything he could get out of it. Out of it. Jesus did not get an honorary doctorate for dying. He didn't. He wasn't even, he wasn't getting anything out of it. He gave up his life. He sacrificed his life for the good of others, for the good of the other, for the well-being of the world, for us. That what love is. Love is not selfish. Love is not self-centered. Love, is, love can be sacrificial and in doing so becomes redemptive and in that way of unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love changes lives, and it can change the world. And when I thought about that, I, I thought about how he's talking about love. And, and what I realized was that what he's talking about is the love of God for all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that, that he's calling us to, and I realize he's calling us to love, to love the way that he designed love to be and not to settle for a cheap imitation of love. Because, because following Jesus is really choosing to be his follower and choosing to live by his love and not some cheap imitation. Love isn't found in all the isms in the world. Love isn't found. True love, real love, powerful love, isn't found in, the is, in, in secularism, or liberalism, or even capitalism, or communism, and all the other isms they are. That's not where we find love, and the world wants us to believe that that's what love is. And what Jesus is saying uh-uh, there's a greater kind of love. The love that I will go to the cross for no benefit of my own, 
but I'm going to the cross for the benefit of the world. And I'm doing it not to lift me up, that people would look to the Father and say, God be glorified. And, and that's love. And I, and I was thinking about this this morning, and what I realized is that it is impossible for me and for us to walk in that kind of love. It is impossible for us to walk as a follower, follower of Christ on our own strength. And I think that's why it's so easy for us to just settle for the love of this world. That when we read something like this powerful message about God's love, we cheapen the whole thing and say it's about civil rights. That's baloney. That's not real love. That there is a greater love. And, and it's a love that is just, for me, it's impossible. Because at my very core, I'm selfish. That I love to get something. I love for a benefit. I'll love my family. I'll love people because somehow I get some benefit out of that. But for me to go beyond that and love like how Jesus loved and, and to love as, as God designed us and calls us to love and to follow Jesus for no other reason than obedience and following Jesus, man, I tell you what, I don't have that power. We don't have that power. And that's why what I realized was in order for us to be a follower of Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that, that unless we tap in, man, it's going to be rough. Because following Jesus is not easy. It's just not easy. Because when we follow him and when we, when we begin to live according to true love. True love is not always easy. True love is hard sometimes. True love is sacrificial. True love is, 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 is tough. It's hard. It's not sentimental, you know? And it's uncomfortable. And it's like, it's, it's, we can't understand it at times. And so we settle for WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we have all our ideas of what Jesus would do. But it falls so short of what Jesus would really do. It's like Jesus, would, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't hate this. Jesus wouldn't not, you know, all this. You know, the truth is Jesus would. Jesus did. Jesus does. And it's like, and it's hard. Because real love, the love that has power, that's found as we're following Jesus, is not always easy. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. And that's why Jim's message a couple weeks ago was so powerful and so important. Because it's about the cross. And it's not comfortable. It was funny. I don't think I saw anybody, anybody wearing Crocs today. You know? But it's not comfortable. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be a follower. And one of the things that I've, I've been really grappling with, and it's been, it's been so impactful in my life, 
is to understand the difference between God with us and God in us. And Kyle Adelman in his book, Not a Fan, wrote about something that just caught my eye, that he said he looked at all the, the passages in the Bible where it says God with us. And I love God with us. I love Emmanuel. I love the fact that Jesus is with us. And he is. But he said, the fascinating thing, all those passages were found in the Old Testament. What he discovered was in the New Testament, it wasn't God with us. It was God in us. And that one word makes all the difference in the world. That, that all of a sudden, it's God in us. And, and Jesus says something so remarkable, so incredible in John 16, verse 7. says, and he's talking to his disciples. And he's talking to us. And he's saying, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What? For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And it's like, it's better that Jesus is not with us? And Jesus says, yes. Because even better than God with us is God in us. And when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And we discover in the scriptures, it tells us that, that when we make a decision to make Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit lives, begins to live inside of us. And that's the craziest thing that Jesus was saying. He was saying that, I gotta, I'm going to leave you. I, I'm with you. I'm with you 24-7. I'm with you. But there's something even better than that. That God Almighty is going to live inside of you. And God, the Holy Spirit, who's called the Comforter, he's called the Helper, he's called the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of Wisdom, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Almighty God, that Spirit is going to live inside of us. And that is better. That is better. And I realized what this meant for me was I looked at myself and I said, I know why I like God with me so much. Because I still get to be in control. I get to do the things I want to do. I get to desire the things that I want. I can pursue. I can follow my heart. And I get the added benefit of, God, I need help. Will you be with me? Will you be with me as I do these things? And I realized that that's, that's more being a fan than a follower. I was asking God to follow me. Are you with me, God? God, where are you? Are you here? Instead of, if God is really in me, and he is in us, and he, the Holy Spirit is living in God Almighty, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, then he's there for a reason. He's there to help, but he's there to lead us and to guide us into all truth, and we are to follow him. See? And I went, holy mackerel. That was a game changer for me. That I had to repent. I said, God, I didn't realize that. That I was wanting you to follow me. 
I was making you that genie in the bottle. God, I really didn't want to study for that. But now that the test is coming up, whoa, Jesus, I need help. You know, or, you know, I, I got to buy this. I got to buy that. I got to buy this. Credit card, credit card, credit card. I get the bill. Jesus, help. Will you provide? I don't have the money to pay. See? And, and that's easy because I still get to be in control. Kyle Eidelman writes in his book, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to ask David, Elijah, Moses, what it was like to have God with them. But I think it will be just the opposite in heaven. Before we can ask David what it was like to slay the giant, to win the battles, he'll say, tell me what it was like on earth to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you giving you strength when you were weak. We might say to Elijah, what was it like to call down fire from heaven? You know, what was it like to raise that boy from the dead? And I think Elijah might say, you tell me what it's like to have God living inside of you. What was it like to live life on earth with the Holy Spirit giving you joy when you're depressed, giving you power to overcome the sin in your life? God in us. And, and when you become a Christian, you receive this gift. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Paul says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies, wow, by the same Spirit living where? Within you. See, the question isn't, the question isn't whether or not you have access to the power that God wants to give you. That is not the question. The question is, will you access his power of the God who lives inside of you? That's the question. And so many of us, I so often live with this power ready to go, you know? And I say, nah, I think... I got this one. I got that one. I'm trying to do all these things on my own strength. And God, the Holy Spirit, is just like, I'm waiting. All you got to do is ask. And I realize that a fan tries to live life on his own power, self-empowered. But a follower understands something greater than that. And they live their lives spirit-empowered. And what I realized is something that was so important, that is so odd, that is so strange, and it's this, that weak is the new strong, right? Weak is the new strong, that yielding to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and, you know, really experiencing his power begins with an honest acknowledgement of our own weaknesses. That's where it starts. That's how you become strong. Michael Scott, you know, and, and some of you know Michael Scott, the obnoxious manager in the office. And uh, I remember early, early on when I was at Moana Lua Gardens Missionary Church, I was running staff meetings, you know, out there as, as the executive pastor there. And, you know, guys would come every so often to just kind of see how we run our staff meetings with our staff and all that stuff. And, and, and a couple of them said, you know, you know what you guys remind me of? You guys staff meetings. It's like the office, right? And I go, what? 
because I never watched that show. So I decided I, I should start watching the show. I don't like that show. It's like lame, you know? But, but there was one episode where he is being, uh, you know, he's being uh, invited to interview for this, in this really prestigious firm uh, company. And so the interview asks him, you know, what do you think are your greatest strengths as a manager, right? And, you know, Michael Scott is crazy. He goes, why, um, well, why don't I tell you about my greatest weaknesses? For instance, I work too hard. Um, I, I care too much, you know. Um, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. To which the, the, the interviewer replies, oh, okay, so what are your strengths? And then he goes, well, my weaknesses are actually my strengths, you know? And when I, when I, I remember thinking that, you know, that's how it is for so many of us, that, that we go through great lengths to, to disguise our weaknesses because admitting weakness is, 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 is weak, right? You know, and we just don't like that, that, that we are inspired by strength, uh, we are inspired by, uh, by, by quotes about strength. We put those on our walls. We don't put quotes about weakness, right? Because it's weak. Um, for instance, the weak should fear the strong. That's a good t-shirt right there. The weak should fear the strong. Or another one. It is the destiny of the weak to be devoured by the strong. Ah, that's, that's strong, right? It's the destiny of the weak to be devoured by the strong. And then what used to be my favorite, because I got to change. Uh, this one was by um, uh, uh, the, the, the person who the Heisman Trophy, you know, the college football, the Heisman Trophy, uh, was named after this guy. And, and, he, and he said this, when you find your opponent's weak spot, hammer it. Oh, I like that, right? When you find your opponent's weak spots, you just hammer it. I remember when my son John was, was, was pretty young, and uh, we liked playing a Madden, right? And so Madden, you know, like a, a football, a pro football simulation kind of game on, on PlayStation. And, you know, um, it was fun uh, because it was about strategy. You find plays on offense and defense, and you work that out. And, and it was fun until John started to cheat um, because there's all these non-football things like turbo running and block, you know, just silly things that you don't find in real football. These are like fake game stuff. And, and, and his fingers could do this, my fingers couldn't. And besides, football is not that silly. This is like strategy. And I remember early on, before all that silly things, we played and I, had a, I remember this one game, I had Randy Moss. Randy Moss is a really good, uh, he's, a, he's a receiver. He catches the football. And uh, he's like probably the second or third greatest uh, receiver. First would be Jerry Rice, number 80 of the San Francisco 49ers. That's, that's not arguable. That is just fact. But um, uh, I had Randy Moss on my team. And I ran a play. And every time I ran that play, just touchdown, touchdown. I ran that play about 12 times. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. John, by the, by, by, by the end of the game, he's crying. Oh, damn, you're cheating. I go, hey, when you find your opponent's weak spots, you just hammer it. And he's like, I ain't going to play no more. And then, you know, I say, hey, John, you gotta, I mean, that's part of life sometimes, you know. And then he discovered about the, 
the, the turbo things and all that. And he started to win because he's cheating now with all these fake football things. And so at the end of that, I go, I don't want to play with you no more. You cheat. You know, when you find your weak spot, you have it, you know. Right? But, but that's us. That's what we like to do. We like to disguise our weaknesses. We want to accentuate our strengths. Listen to what a follower of Christ thinks in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace, Jesus said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So why? So that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in what? In my weaknesses and in their insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the Apostle Paul understood the secret to real strength and that it is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the only way you do that is you, you boast and you embrace your weaknesses. Because when you are weak and you let go, now God can strengthen you through his Holy Spirit who lives in you. And we would look at this and say, Paul, you're crazy. You don't boast in your weaknesses. But he said, no, no, I found the secret. When I am weak, then God makes me strong. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Because we don't want anybody to know about our weaknesses. And you know what? Pastor type, we're just famous for that. You know, we, we want people to, to know or to think just how spiritual we are. It's like all of you. You look like, who is the most spiritual person you know? You just mark. This comes right to your mind. Or, or how knowledgeable about the Bible. I walk past and people go like, oh, there he is. Smartest guy in the Bible that I know. You know? Um, we want to show people that how our lives are together. And that how we laugh at danger. But that's not how a follower thinks. Paul knew that weak is the new strong. And he said, I'm going to boast in all my weaknesses because when I'm weak, then God makes me strong. And a follower understands that. That real power, the power to love, the power to follow Christ doesn't come with our strengths. It comes in our weaknesses when we say, can't do it. And we ask the Holy Spirit who lives in us to empower us to love and to follow him. See, <clears throat> it's so important that we understand that in order for us to really follow Jesus, we need power beyond ourselves. 
Because if you try it on your own, you're just going to get discouraged. Take it from one who knows. You know, that's a challenge, and that's an area that I'm continuing to grow. I find fandom all over in my life. And where I find it, I usually find it in areas where I'm just trying to be strong. That I need to understand that weak is the new strong. Can't do it on my own. And in order for us to do that, we need to understand what Paul said in Galatians 5.25. He said, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He's saying, weak is a new strong. When I'm weak, God makes me strong. And the way that I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is that I just keep in step with him every day. What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? How do you keep in step with the Spirit? Well, it all starts with the decision to make Jesus your Lord. That's where it starts. That you say, Jesus, you died for me. I'm going to follow you. That's where it starts. That's why this campaign is so critical. That God is calling us to greatness. He's calling us to power. But it comes as a follower. It comes through weakness. And it starts there. And then throughout the day, when we're headed to a meeting, when we have a when we have uh, you know, a, a situation that we've got to talk to, in every situation, we stop <coughs> and we say, when I am weak, thank God I need you to make me strong. And I am weak. I got a meeting to go to. Will you now fill me that I would so keep in step with your spirit that you would supply the power I need to go into that meeting? to lead that meeting, or to do whatever it is throughout the day. And the more you're doing that, you're doing what Paul is saying, to keep in step with the Spirit. That's where true strength comes from. That's where strength comes from. That's where power to love and to follow Jesus, that's where it comes from. And maybe you're like me. It's just like, man, I, I, you know, that's, I'm just trying my best to follow Jesus with as much strength and knowledge and skill and determination that I have. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, here, I'm not just with you. I am in you. Real power is really found in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. About a month ago, you know, I was, I was really discouraged. You know, I was just tired. Um, I thought about a lot about my, my dream, my dream job to be on the housekeeping crew at the Hyatt. You know, just take care of a, take care of a floor and I'd have the best floor and I'd make those beds Vacuum those, the mirrors, spotless. You know, nightline could come in and nothing would be wrong in my room. Be perfect. Thought about that a lot, really. One of the things that stopped me from like really like 
going to HR and seeing my friend Laura there was that uniform. That was rough. Maybe I'd work there for free if I could have a different uniform. Maybe no uniform. But I remember one day thinking about that and just being tired and uh, praying and saying, God, tired. And, and I felt God say, he didn't say it in an audible voice, but I just got a sense in my spirit. I felt like God was saying to me, are you hungry? Are you hungry? And immediately a song came to my mind that had meant a whole lot to me. I remember at different times of my life, going through some real challenges, that song, for some reason, was right there. I remember when we dropped our daughter Michelle off at, um, in L.A. Uh, for an internship, and I was as sad as heck. Um, we went to a church with Dave and Tammy. You know, they had, they had gone, and we'd gone to the, the vineyard there and walked in, and, and lo and behold, here's that song. And it just, over the years, it's just meant a whole lot. And that day, I just started to listen to that song again. And what I began to realize or what I began to feel was those words. I want those to be my words. And that song, I want that to be my song. And I began to listen and listen And then I would listen and I would sing and worship. And then when I'd head off to work or whatever, I'd just play that song. You know, and it would just repeat over and over. From home to work was like, it's like 30, 30 30-some minutes, six times that song's going on. And it's like, I'm a crazy man. This leads on over and over. And I said, God, that's my song. And I remember one day I'm driving to work, song's going, it's playing the third time, and I'm like, man. And um, I know this is going to really shock you guys, because I, I, I know you all think that I'm just the most manliest man you ever knew in your, know in your life, that real men don't really cry, but I'm just getting weepy. You know, I'm just weepy. I say, God, I am hungry. And, and, and there's nothing more that I want that I just want and I need to follow you. And Jesus came. And I believe today we're going to close this service with that song. My prayer is that I pray that, that this would be your words and this would become your song and that, 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 that you will live the words of this song and that you would allow the Holy Spirit to so fill you and so empower you that you would experience true power and that you would experience true love and that you would begin to follow Jesus with a power you never knew was available to you because the Holy Spirit lives right inside of you. And so why don't you stand with me and we're going we're gonna to sing this song. And I, I want you to sing it, but I want you to pray it. I say, God, this is my song. And for some of you, it's like, I don't even know if the Holy Spirit's living in me. Well, it starts right there with Jesus. 
And for some of you, it's like, okay, you know what? I choose today to not be a fan. I choose to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, that you died on that cross for me, that you paid the price for me. And from this day forward, I choose the best of my ability to be a follower of you. And then Holy Spirit, just come. Come into my life. Dwell in my heart. That when I am weak, you're going to make me strong. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we come to you and we say, today we choose to be your follower. Follower of Jesus. That we are weak. I am weak. And I need you to make me strong. I recognize that I've messed up and I need a Savior. And I choose Jesus to be my Savior. I receive his payment for my sins. That he died on the cross for me. And that I need power beyond myself. Holy Spirit. Come fill my heart. Come dwell in my life. And as I take steps today, I pray that your song would really and truly become my song. In Jesus' name.